Live Arts Miami is presenting Ocean Filibuster at the Adrian Arts Center in downtown Miami through November 20th. And on the line with me is Skip Sherry, the composer for the production. Welcome to WLRN, Skip. I'm glad to be here. Hello. So what is Ocean Filibuster? Ocean Filibuster is this amazing one-person play where the person plays two characters, the ocean and this character, Mr. Majority, and the ocean is on trial. And there's a big movement to, to reduce the ocean into smaller manageable lagoons so that we can have more property, basically. And the ocean defends itself and starts a filibuster. It's a comic concept, uh, but you learn a lot about the ocean. There's a lot of scientific ideas in it. And also accompanying the ocean, uh, and we always pull local performers, is this oceanic choir that is part of the ocean and backs up the ocean. They come in fantastic costumes. And uh, I have to say, especially in Miami, we got great singers. And uh, it's a very unusual play, but it's a very fun play. And uh, it's a heartbreaking play. And uh, according to the scientists I've talked to after our Boston production, they love it. They feel like their voices are being heard. So this is your play. When, when did you start this play? Oh, this is, I'm the composer. Okay. So I'm the composer and uh, I do, uh, I do like half the sound design and uh, gosh, how long did the, uh, the, the play is written by Lisa Damore and is directed by Katie Pearl, uh, two very long time and dear collaborators of mine. And uh, I love writing music for their plays because they let me write good songs. And that's always my goal is, can I write a good hook? And can I write a good song? Because I get tired of going to musicals where I'm like, I don't remember any of the songs that just happened and I didn't care. So it's always my goal is just, can you write a good song? How much experience do you have with theater productions? A lot. I've been doing it for, oh no. (laughs) I guess I've been... I'm trying not to, over 20 years, probably much more than that, (laughs) 25, you know, I started, you know, I started as a folk musician who went, I basically am a folk musician who went wrong, started experimenting with prepared stuff. I make a lot of electronic music and, uh, uh, but also it's like, I still think of my, I work with Arena and Giddens. Uh, you know, she's sung my songs and is a good pal. So I'm, I feel like I'm firmly in the folk music world, but then I'm also being pulled to do operas and plays. And I, I, and I do pieces with 15 glass bowls with marbles rolling in them, creating fantastic overtones. So it, it just depends. But the hardest thing to do ever is to write a good song for real. Like I could, you can always write some background music. You can always like, oh, they're running through the field, dum, 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 or scary music or beautiful music because they're in love. But if someone says, take my words and write a good song out of it, that's that takes so much more time. Because what makes a good song? It's so abstract. So with, with Lisa's plays, I'm always, she's really, some writers won't let you touch their words. She says, she's always like, tear them apart, make them better. And then often she goes, you know, that doesn't work. And I have to throw out my babies like, oh, that, I loved that. Why do we have to throw it out? Because it doesn't service the piece. So it seems maybe trite, but it's like, you know, you know, so a place that makes a good hamburger. It's rare. It's rare. You know? <laughs> well, how does, and, how does a folk musician become a composer? Did you have training in music? I just think I heard, I, I did not really. I played drums in band, but 
but I just always heard sound as music. I remember being in the, I grew up in southeastern Ohio in this town called, outside this town called Athens. And I remember being in the woods with my father and we were standing, there was a stream and uh, he said, Skip, listen. And there, oh, the stream had little micro waterfalls. So it was, he said, he said, Skip, listen, the, the, the stream is, is harmonizing with itself. And each of the little waterfalls made the water burble at a different pitch. So, you know, is basically I was having a John Cage moment. I just didn't have my fingers on it. And also for me, uh, the idea that our environment was sound wasn't a, uh, a, a, a intellectual idea. It was a very emotional, visceral idea, a connection to nature. And I think ultimately this play for me addresses that, even though in this play I'm writing a lot, a lot of electronic music because that's, that's reflection of the characters in the play. How did you end up in New York? Uh, if you're doing what I, I do, eventually you end up in New York. I think I lived in Austin, Texas. I lived in Denver. I lived in Montana and people were, were always like, what are you doing here? Why don't you go to New York? And I avoided it until it was the last place I could go. And I moved to New York thinking if I go to New York, then it'll take me to the rest of the world. And it did. It has, I've toured as a contemporary circus composer and I, I teach at this amazing avant-garde theater school in Norway. Uh, and so it's, it's been a, funny career and the first person i ever really composed music for was katie pearl the director and elise damore play called uh slabber in minneapolis so it's uh, you know it's amazing to come full circle with them after all these years again i'm speaking with skip sherry who is the composer for ocean filibuster that'll be at live arts miami's adrian arch center performance at the carnival studio theater through november 20th I saw some of your YouTube videos. That gauntlet you made was just amazing. Yeah, that's that. We call it the family business. Uh, it's it's where our heart is. Uh, my my wife and uh, uh, artistic collaborator Coco Carroll and I kind of brought two things together. She conducts movement interviews with people. She moves with them and interviews them, and this amazing language comes out. It's the it's a scientific concept of embodied memory. She releases embodied memory. Then I create these compositions of rows and hallways of singers that pass the tones and phrases of the librettos that we've called from these interviews. Uh, it is, you know, it's where my heart is. I, I will die before I've explored all the things we can do with this form. And some of the, the techniques that I developed for the gauntlet, especially at the ending of the play, this is very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. And it's a pure gauntlet technique about, it's called So Far Channel. The So Far Channel is a layer of ocean where sound travels for miles. And it's a song about the So Far Channel. And it's it, the first singer sings the next singer that passes on. It's like a game of telephone where, uh, but nothing changes. You know, it doesn't degrade as it, as, as the signal moves through through it doesn't degrade and there, so you get this very kind of primitive folk version of minimalism you know it's like overlapping waves of, of sound it's it's really beautiful and again the singers we have here in miami are just gorgeous your presentation coming up at in miami is ocean filibuster has this yeah. been shown yeah it's been it, it it has been uh it's been in houston and it's been at art in boston uh we've done it at the city opera house at rockefeller center uh but you're not going to be here no, I'm not going to be there. I'm I'm in Brooklyn right now with my three-year-old, and uh, I'm doing a uh, I'm working on a really nice uh, puppet theater piece in in Boston, so I had to go there. But I would have loved to be there. 
Well, Skip, you're, you're much more than a musician. Where do you come up with these ideas? Oh, that's interesting. I just get a funny idea in my head. And often our, we go, no, because we're busy doing something. Like we're making food. But what I do when that little flash goes, I go, stop. No, look at that. Look at that little thing. And, I, and is that something you can do something with? Like the gauntlet was originally conceived. I thought, well, what if you had a composition that you had to walk through to hear? And so I, I would imagine speakers that played little loops of music, like in a nightclub, all on the ceiling. And that if you wanted to hear the composition, you had to move through it. So then I thought, wait, I could do this with singers pocketing loops. And then through that, I, I discovered the passing tones, tones and phrases, which is so stupidly simple, but so amazing sounding that I was like, oh, I can't believe I never experienced this before. So my feeling is the great thing about novelty and new things that if it, you know, the avant-garde always pre often presents it as something hard. You have to have this big, huge thing this knowledge of whatever to to enter this avant-garde new but ch children are ex experiencing things that are new every single day every single day if you see a horse and you've never seen a horse before it's horses are huge and beautiful and totally frightening <laughs> they're huge and beautiful and so i i'm always trying to find the huge and beautiful thing like what's the thing that opens the brain up and so you can have a better discussion and a more open discussion and a, a more empathetic discussion with your neighbor. You know, the guy who beats a kid and does a magic trick. That's the that's the that's the thing. So, you know, I love tradition. I love folk music. I love the traditions in electronic music. You know, folk music is anything. Folk music is any mu music that people make for their immediate community. That's all it is. It's punk. It's rockabilly. And as you know, you know, it takes one gen half a generation people become purists about it you know rockability must be played this way whatever so i'm always just looking for the for surprising the surprising compassionate uh the empathetic moment in sound you know i i just well your three-year-old is still very young but has has being a dad has that opened your mind at all my goodness yeah yeah it has because he's so He's so serious. Children are serious about things, you know. Also, I rush the beat for real. If I look at the, my MIDI when I'm composing for film, I rush the beat. He does not rush the beat. He's a, an improvement on me. He's like he's stomping and he's serious and he grabs my harmonicas. I do a lot of stuff with harmonicas through pitch shifters. Uh, it's called, I call it whatever. I call it jank. It's my dance band. Sousaphones, funky drummer, harmonicas through pitch shifters. But he'll pick it up and just stomp his feet dead on the beat. Wank. I'm like he's stealing my act. Um, <laughs> It's it's beautiful. It's it's uh, having a kid. You know, I don't think everyone should have one, but I think I didn't know anything about humans before this. You know? I find it fascinating because I deal mainly with musicians, and although you are yeah. a musician, you found yourself like a, a new audience or or something different. You found a new path for a musician. Well, and it's weird. I do not fit in the. I really though. I'm. I work in different worlds. I'm really, truly not part of the uh, like uh, contemporary new music world because I'm. I didn't come from learning that tradition. I'm not really part of the indie rock or indie electronic world. So I've always had a car of my own way in the U.S. in the in Europe. I make a lot more sense than in Australia, like because of the fringe 
uh, festival culture, there really is a place for for like what you would populist. You can't use the word populist <laughs> in Europe because it means Nazi, but popular avant-garde. Like we expect to go to a Spiegel tent and get drunk and see someone do something fantastic and surprising and heartbreaking. So there's more of a context for me, I, I would say, there. It's you so know, hard and, for me. It's, it's hard for me to define what folk music is, but the hmm. ultimate definition for me is that it's not popular. It's not part of that oh. popular music. Oh, I don't. I, I, do I agree with that? I mean, Frankie and Johnny, that song, would would be considered a folk song now. It's not very popular, but it was a pop tune of its time. Yes. So I don't know. Uh, Fur Elise is still popular, very popular. Is it? Is that no? That that would be considered classical. I don't know. That's a good question. You know. You well, know, I always think and like folk music is music you make for. If I make music for you and you're my community, that's folk music, whatever it is. So maybe po as popular defined as you need a medium to sell it to the next person. Popular is trying to sell it, yes. But And you need a uh, device for that. So it's not human to human. It's not me to you in the same room. But you have to have another thing, you know. Uh, but you're, you're, you write songs as well. Yeah, I think so. As I was saying, song, I, I, I have pieces that are prepared guitar, paper clips, and guitar strings, you know, that sound like the earth is ending. And I have pieces with 15 glass bowls with marbles rolling in them that sounds like a cross between a Tibetan uh, bowl and an alarm clock. But I, I, the hardest thing I do, I think, is writing a good song. And I feel like I've only written two or th three great ones in my life. You know, there are people like, uh, like Baby D is this this composer I love that just writes great song after great song. In, and in Ocean Filibuster, there's a song called Radio Laria, which is my my attempt to write a great song for that play. And it's my favorite song of the play. It was written because I, I said to Katie and, and Lisa, I was like, what did the scientists, they, they said to me, what do, you, what do you want to convey to people? And they're like, that the ocean is beautiful and that's enough. And I was just so hit. So I wrote the chorus, isn't it enough that they are beautiful? And it's, uh, you know, it's a, a, a list, list of microscopic, you know, plants and, and, and animals in the, in the ocean. And it's sort of my David Bowie song. Uh, Skip Sherry is on the line. He's the composer for Ocean Filibuster that will be at the Carnival Studio Theater at the Adrian Arts Center through November 20th. Uh, Skip, I do have a copy of Radio Laria, uh, but it's it's you singing. Is this the one that's in yeah, the show? Yeah, this is in this is Jen. This is one of those silly things I haven't recorded Jen singing it. So this is like the demo, not the demo, but like the version that I I made with just my voice. And and Radio Laria is a is a ocean plant. Uh, they're uh, phytoplankton. Okay. These are these are the lungs of the ocean. These are these little creatures that fill the oceans and millions and billions that are that make the earth breathe. So most of this most of this song is a description of phytoplankton, uh, their their beautiful uh, aspects, and uh, and then this this sentiment isn't it enough that they are beautiful. Skip Sherry, congratulations and thank you so much for taking time to talking to us. Uh, it's great to talk to you, man. Moons. 
Limited to amoebas Live in glass-like shells Float on little needles The Carathon is a diatom It keeps to itself and makes oxygen And when it reproduces, it's alone Turning the tide red as the storm 